Welcome to the Collect Call. This podcast is an offering of the Acts 8 moment, proclaiming resurrection in the Episcopal Church. My name is Holly Powell. I'm a layperson and a member of Christ Church Cathedral in Lexington, Kentucky. And I'm Brendan O'Sullivan Hale, and I am also a layperson, and I'm a member of the Episcopal Church of All Saints in Indianapolis, Indiana. This podcast is about the intersection of liturgy and life, as seen through the lens of the Collects in the Book of Common Prayer. Now, collect is kind of a funny-sounding word, but it's really just another word for prayer, and it's spelled like collect, as in, you might collect engagement rings from the Hearts on Fire diamond collection, including Adoration Dream Double Row, Destiny Twist, Optima Regal, and Delight Lady Die. (laughs) Stop it! (laughs) Why? (laughs) Well, you know... Pentecost, Tongues of Fire. Hearts on Fire. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I mean, I am not one to be real pumped about the marriage thing anyway. (laughs) But let me just tell you, if somebody gets me a ring from the... Named after Lady Di. Yes. (laughs) It's going to be a problem. And I love her. Look, I love her. I'm excited about this Princess Charlotte... Elizabeth, Diana, is that right? Um, you're asking the wrong person. Um, but no. <laughs> That's a great collection. I love it. Well, thank you. So today is our uh, second Pentecost episode because there are two prayer options for Pentecost. And last year we did one of them and this year we're going to do the other one. But before we get to that... Retraction, retraction. A collect call retraction, the web demands satisfaction. It's time for another retraction. We have another retraction, and actually, you know, I'm pretty proud. We have not had one for a while. It has been a long while. Yeah, it strikes me that this is kind of like the signs that you sometimes see in factories that are like, you know, 13 days without an accident. I think we've been like, you know... I don't know, seven or eight episodes, maybe, without a retraction. Yeah, I think you're right. So we're we're obviously resetting back to zero at this point, but um, I'm not going to feel too bad about it. Well, tell us what, what we got wrong. Yeah, so two episodes ago, we were talking about the collect... Uh, for all the baptized. And one of the things that we were talking about was this concept of unity between the living and the dead. So first, uh, let's get out some highfalutin vocabulary. Uh, Our friend Derek Olson wrote a blog post about the show, which we will uh, link to in the show notes here. Uh, But he noted that the technical term for what we were discussing was baptismal ecclesiology, meaning that it is baptism that signifies entrance uh, into the church and that 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 baptismal unity within the church is not severed by death. So we totally knew that that was what we were talking about. Totally. But um, but yeah, now we're just dropping the vocabulary term on you. Yeah, we were waiting for you guys to call us out on that vocab term yeah. so we wouldn't seem too smart. Right, right. Yeah. But related to that, I had mentioned that that concept of the unity between the living and the dead is really important to me. And that when Frank and I were married in October of 2013 in our church, uh, we were using the uh, provisional rite for same-sex blessings, uh, technically called I will bless you and you will be a blessing, which is 
um, a bit of a mouthful. Uh, but anyway, I complained that that rite does, does not include a prayer for the dead in the prayers of the people. And in fact, it does. I had misremembered because I mentioned that we brought in the prayer, uh, the concluding collect from the Book of Common Prayer marriage service because it mentions the dead in a quite moving way. Our judgment was that the mention of the dead in the provisional service is just sort of a kind of a nod in their direction. And uh, what's in the BCP marriage right is a lot better. So I was wrong to say that it's omitted. It is there. Uh, I just prefer the way it shows up in the marriage service a lot better. Retraction. Retraction. It is also hilarious that in our show notes, Brendan made a little note and he abbreviated, I will bless you and you will be a blessing <laughs> as I-W-B-Y-A-Y-W-B-A-B. And I spent... A vast portion of my afternoon, longer than I care to admit, going like, Ibu-Wab-Yab. Ibu-Wab-Yab. Until I realized what it actually was. So I'm just saying that if you want to, I think that's a really catchy uh, name. It's really going to take off. I remember who you heard it from first. Yep. I have occasionally used it as a hashtag. Um, I don't think anybody else is, though. I wonder why. It's so easy to remember. Yeah. It would be a great password, though. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't use that as a password. Don't. <laughs> now that I've said it. Yeah. Add like an at symbol or something. <laughs> right. Well, should we talk about the uh, feast day, which we are here to discuss, Brandon? Uh, yeah, let's do it. Uh, shall we pray? Let's do it. The second appointed collect for Pentecost is on page 227. Oh God, who on this day taught the hearts of your faithful people by sending to them the light of your Holy Spirit, grant us by the same Spirit to have a right judgment in all things and evermore to rejoice in his holy comfort. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to go on record as being a fan of this prayer. Okay. And the main reason for it is actually pretty early on in the prayer when the image is here of teaching the heart. So it starts off, O oh God, who on this day taught the hearts of your faithful people. And I think that concept of teaching the heart is so interesting. Yeah, it's a, it's a really cool m metaphor. Is that a metaphor? Yeah, I, I think it is. Okay. And, well, and I'll just give you a concrete example, uh, because this is uh, something that's been on my mind quite a, quite a bit recently. I, I'm sure many of our listeners are familiar with the furor that uh, came up in Indiana about, uh, I don't know, six or so weeks ago, when our state legislature passed a, uh, a, a piece of legislation called the Religious Freedom Restoration Act whose intent, uh, it's, it's fairly clear, uh, was to enable discrimination against uh, same-sex couples, uh, although it might have had uh, unintended consequences beyond that. Um, I happen to think that the actual effectiveness of the law wouldn't have been that great uh, for a variety of reasons that we don't need to get into, uh, but in terms of what the intent and the spirit of the law was, uh, it was a pretty bad thing. Right. 
there was a huge uproar, uh, both in Indiana and nationally, that caused the governor and the legislature to partially uh, walk back the law by adding a provision saying that uh, no aspect of that law could be used uh, to discriminate against uh, same-sex couples, uh, which counts as some measure of progress, although you can still be fired for for being gay in Indiana. But that's still, we're not even getting to my point yet. My point is that I saw a fair amount of very bad behavior from people who I kind of otherwise agree with in the social media and world uh, Mm -hmm. about um, that there was a a lot of name-calling from uh, people who were quite supportive of LGBT rights, but were pretty hateful in terms mm-hmm. of how they were reacting to supporters of the legislation or people who couldn't make up their minds. And that worries me a bit because, you know, speaking as a gay person, <laughs> we got to this point in society as and as a church um, largely by changing people's hearts, not by proving that we are empirically correct. And I'm getting very worried now that kind of the tide of public opinion and social acceptance has turned in many ways, not all the ways and in not all places, uh, but that there's sometimes a uh, triumphalist approach where we're exhibiting the very kind of bad behavior uh, that that has been um, exhibited towards us in the past. And, uh, and I think, I don't know, it's just that some of the ways this conversation is occurring these days uh, shuts down the possibility of people having conversations and listening to each other. And I think the Holy Spirit has something to say to us about that. You know what? I'm so glad you said that. I, I was also bothered by some of the, um, and continue to be bothered, not only by that, but other situations in which people I generally agree with and and seem to share a same political or sociological leaning toward being really, really hateful or dismissive of people with an opposite opinion. And while I feel pretty strongly that it's not okay to tolerate racism, misogyny, uh, discrimination, etc., etc., it's also not okay to bash someone because that's not going to change anybody's mind. So I think you're exactly right. To, to carry kind of the Pentecost analogy a little bit further, I was rereading the Pentecost uh, story uh, the other night. And, you know, we, we talk about this image of the tongues of fire coming down and people talking in all kinds of different languages. And it's pretty easy to conflate uh, the events of Pentecost with some of the stuff that Paul talks about in his letters of people speaking in tongues. One of the really critical things that is happening in the Pentecost story is that people are speaking all kinds of different languages, but they are understanding each other, uh, which is different from what's happening in, in Paul's letters where people are speaking in tongues and not understanding each other. And so uh, I, I think the Holy Spirit and the, pe- and the story of Pentecost is offering teaching the heart to listen, to hear, to understand others, and hopefully for the same to be done for us. So speaking of, of the Pentecost story, I, diverting from the prayers just a little bit, I, I just have to go ahead and say, 
as I did, I'm pretty sure last year at this time, that the story of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 is truly one of my favorites, mostly because it involves people accusing other people of being real drunk at 9 a.m. That story never gets old. (laughs) It just doesn't. It really just doesn't. Surely we are not drunk as you suppose. (laughs) It is only nine o'clock in the morning and these are not mimosas. (laughs) So anyway, teaching the heart. Yeah, so this collect is trying to say that God, God's act on Pentecost is in effect teaching our hearts through sending the Holy Spirit. I can get behind that. But we have two other images that are popping up in this prayer that might be a little bit um, more difficult. The next thing that we're praying for is that we be granted by the same Spirit to have a right judgment in all things. The concept of judgment implies, you know, judginess. (laughs) I don't know. I'm wondering what we think about that and what that might have to do with the teaching that the heart receives. The right judgment comes from a phrase in Isaiah, verse 11, or chapter 11, where it talks about the, uh, the spirit of the Lord will rest on him, him being the Messiah. It goes on to, to say these six characteristics, or seven characteristics, I'm sorry, that, that that spirit will have. And one of them is the spirit of judgment, or some would call it the spirit of counsel. What are the other six characteristics? So it's um, wisdom, understanding, judgment, fortitude, reverence, fear of the Lord, and where is the other one? And godliness. So apparently, according to, again, theological guru of Wikipedia... (laughs) The Catholic Church lists these things in the in their catechism as the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit that come to a person when um, the Holy Spirit enters them. Hmm. The Latin word for this judgment is is concilium, which means either counsel, advice, or judgment. Huh. So, I, I think judgment in our parlance has a negative connotation but i like the idea of it being more like good advice better right right (laughs) you know well and just to get down to pragmatic facts here um we do have to make choices in our lives and every time we make a choice we are judging what is the right thing to do at that point or maybe we're you know not doing the right thing but uh, we're, we're, we're exercising judgment for good or for ill, and we are asking for the Spirit's direction uh, to choose the right path. You know, the thing, I don't have as much of a problem with the judgment part as I do the right. <laughs> <laughs> because to me, it makes it sound like, I mean, obviously, there are things that you don't do uh, that, that are, are empirically wrong. But say you're thinking about whether to take a new job or stay in your current job. You know, I don't believe that God has the right answer for that. I believe that whatever path you take is is going to have good parts and bad parts and, and 
we figure those things out with God's help. But I think there's some danger in assigning the words right and wrong to decisions that we make in our lives. Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, I, I think... <laughs> no, oh. no pun intended. Yeah, okay. I think that that is correct. Um, <laughs> anyway, because not every not every decision we make in our lives carries moral weight, uh, either in our own lives uh, and likely not in God's eyes as well. It's like why, you know, I'm pretty sure God does not intervene in the outcome of the Super Bowl. Right. Anywho, so we're asking God to, to give us either the right judgment or good advice, whatever, yeah. however you feel about that. And then from that, to, we rejoice in his holy comfort. Okay. You know, I can totally handle that. The word comfort yeah. makes me think of comforter, and that makes me think of blankets in the winter, <laughs> and that makes me very happy. Yeah, totally. Totally. And maybe a couple cats. Aw. Probably not Matu, because they just fight all night long. <laughs> we have a peaceable kingdom in our house somehow. That's cool. Yeah. All in all, if I'm looking at this prayer and the um, the other collect for Pentecost, I think I like this one a little bit better. Yeah, I, I do agree. Well, the history of the prayer, there's not a whole lot exciting about it, but it... Uh, it comes from the Gregorian Sacramentary. In all earlier prayer books, before the 79 one, it was the only collect for Pentecost. And the, the one that we talked about last year at this time, it was added in the most recent version. Hmm. So we put out a call in our episode last year to our listeners uh, to tell us if you or any church that you are aware of observes a vigil of Pentecost. Uh, this is a service that receives a uh, kind of a, a, a brief reference in the Book of Common Prayer, uh, but we're not actually aware of it being used commonly. Uh, I, I did a Google search and found a service that the Diocese of Massachusetts did like three years ago. Uh, and other than that, I'm coming up empty. Uh, so we'd like to know a little bit more about this. You know, for clergy listeners, there is an order for the Vigil of Pentecost on page 273 of your priest's handbook. Uh, so if you want to do this... <laughs> Brendan, how did you get a hold of this? <laughs> Amazon didn't ask for my credentials. <laughs> I feel like this is like the Beetlejuice kind of thing, you know, like when you get the Book of the Dead. And... <laughs> no, well, so no, I, I I actually just bought it recently because you know we're we're delving into some segments of the liturgy that I'm a little bit less familiar with, uh, so I figured I'd pick up that book to to kind of help us out here. There's not a a written liturgy for the Pentecost Vigil like you get for the Easter Vigil or something like that. Uh, so the Vigil of Pentecost is a little bit of a DIY service. But anyway, it's there on page 273 if you want to try to slap one together real quick. Awesome. And yes, please do let us know if you find a church or you know of a church that's doing a Pentecost service this year. That would be awesome. Yeah. 
Well, if you have just come home from your Pentecost vigil service and you are so excited that you can't go to bed yet, you might want to check out some of the other shows in the Via Media Collective. Check out Easter People, Hopeful Conversations About Faith and Culture, and Padres Pods, Conversations About Life and Faith with the Worst Priest Ever and His Friends. The Via Media Collective is a network of podcasts with an Anglican sensibility. Find out more at viamediacollective.org or at vmcollective on Twitter. And now, I think it is time. Yes, it is time for the Twitter challenge. The Twitter challenge! Do you want to go first? Sure. Newest Christian meme. Brace yourselves. Tongues of fire are coming. Hashtag Pentecost. Hashtag tongues of fire. Excellent. That'll probably defeat the White Walkers. (laughs) It might. Okay, here's mine. I would like the Holy Spirit to teach my heart to balance chemical equations because teaching my mind didn't work out so well. Hashtag Pentecost. (laughs) Awesome. Chemistry class was my kryptonite in high school. Oh, mine too. Oh my gosh, so awful. I wanted to be a doctor until I took chemistry. (laughs) (laughs) I was so excited when I got to high school because I thought chemistry class was going to be about making like vinegar and baking soda volcanoes. And, uh, yep. and that was not what it was. It was not, in fact, what it was. Yeah, we barely got to use test tubes. I was really disappointed. All right. Well, um, if you are good at chemistry and want to teach Brendan and myself some tricks, <laughs> then you can uh, <laughs> you can get in touch with us on Twitter at the Collect Call, or you can email us at the Collect Call at axeightmoment.org. Or you can find Brendan's stunning collection of engagement rings from the Hearts of Fire collection, not to be confused with the Tongues of Fire collection, <laughs> on Pinterest at pinterest.com slash the call at call. And you can find our parent organization, the Acts 8 Moment, at acts8moment.org, on Facebook at facebook.com slash acts8moment, and on Twitter at acts8moment. Our music is Let All Mortal Flesh Keep Silence by Aaron DeVries, distributed under a Creative Commons license, and you can find more of Aaron's music at badgerland.bandcamp.com. I think you have to say the next line. That's really good. Okay. (laughs) And uh, join us next week where we are taking it way back into the 800 pages of the BCP for a collect called Deep Cut. It's the B-side of the prayer book, y'all. Ooh, ooh. (laughs) Get pumped, people. (laughs) Let all mortal flesh keep silence And with fear and trembling stand Ponder nothing earthly minded For with blessing in his hand Christ our God to earth descended Our full homage to 